Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the World Cup on Caught Offside. Rivaldo! Oh, it's come on front! Rivaldo! Brazil in front! It's Ronaldo! And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! And it's a good hosts Andrew and JJ what did we just see oh yes from the suburbs of Philadelphia and from an apartment in Brooklyn New York Andrew Gunling JJ Devaney oh my god what's up brother that that's that was just the most tense game that I have ever watched in all of my life that I've been so invested in that did not involve a team that I, I cared about. It was a stunning World Cup final. I think in the end, we got the right result. Uh, I don't know, result. Does, I mean, it'll go into the annals as a draw. But I think we got the right winner of the trophy. And uh, just to let everyone know, we've abandoned the trophy lift uh, for the simple reason that, um, well, well, it was just long and weird and on this bizarre loopy stage that basically is the Qatar symbol for the World Cup and Gianni Infantino was there and the Emir was there and Macron was there smiling and uh, there was air hostesses and we just had to get out because that's this how game... they all work that's every one of these things that's yeah. fine yeah that's lately, that's, lately that's all it's been I, I you said it perfectly there I don't know that I've ever felt so emotionally invested in a game as a pure neutral. I mean, it was, it was terrifying. It was pure edge of the seat stuff. It was, I don't know for me, look, I'm not, I'm not 40 yet. Like I'm still in my thirties. Like right. I haven't seen, I haven't seen half of what, you know, a certain segment of the population out Weird there has flex. seen. No, but like, I'm just saying for me, it's, it's, it's got, it's the pinnacle of this sport. Like, I, I feel like we all, everyone, the, the, I was going to say millions. I you could maybe say billions of people across the world that watched that today. 
experience this like this shared moment of witnessing the most incredible match that this sport has ever produced. It's like it's one of these things we all collectively now, I feel like, have an answer to the question. What's the greatest game you've ever seen? What was the greatest save you've ever seen? Like we all have answers now to all of those questions. And they're all the same for billions of people that watch that today. I think the mad thing about this one is that. And I guess I should no longer consider these things mad because it was only 2-0. But if, if you checked in with me around, you know, the 70th minute, this was just ticking along towards a final we'd remember because Messi was going to lift the World Cup. Um, there was a great, like an all-time second goal. Yeah. But that was it. Like there was nothing but, but it else. was but it would have been good enough to stand on its own as, as one of the all-time memorable World Cup finals. I really do believe that. It, for, yeah, for but the re- it, it, it would not have been a great game. What we got in the end was an all-time great game. Mm-hmm. That that was not petering towards that. It would have been a comprehensive uh the, like the headline writers would have said what? They would have said um Argentina completely dominate France. France not at the races. There would no, be it would have just been Messi, Messi's moment. Yeah, like it, it, it would. The narrative would have swirled around him. And in the end, we're still at that with the addition of it being within the context of the greatest game that we've seen in this. Sport. Well, we have to remind ourselves that the French had not had a shot in target till the till till Mbappe had that one that ballooned over the top. Now, excuse me, they hadn't had a shot. Seventy first minute. In First my notes, shot. France finally registers a shot. Mbappe skies one. And it took seventy. It took into the seventy-first minute for them to register a shot. JJ. I remember. I remember making notes, and and some of the notes said, "Oh, uh, France getting some crosses in now." I remember Tia Hernandez had like two crosses in in the space of five minutes uh, down the left hand side, and but that was it. There was nothing, and then and then, then it suddenly, all changed. Yeah, then it all in the blink of an eye. Uh, of course, if you are watching this right now, thank you for joining us. We are streaming live on the Caught Offside YouTube page. Uh, thank you, everybody, for being with us. If you were waiting for us to start, um, we appreciate your your time and your patience. If you're listening to this on the podcast right now, thank you, of course, as well. Everybody out there, be sure to subscribe, subscribe rate, review, all of those things. Um, and if you're here live on the YouTube live stream, be involved. Get on to the uh, the chat page. We want to be as interactive with all of you as possible because I'm sure everybody is just feeling all of the feelings, emotions, thoughts after one of the most thrilling sporting experiences that I think any of us have ever seen, certainly from a neutral perspective. We all have our ties to certain teams and we'll always remember you know those those games for our teams in a different way. But from a neutral perspective, I, I don't know. I just I can probably count on like two fingers the times I felt the way that I felt when that game ended or as, as certain moments when that game were transpiring. It was just it's almost unprecedented for me. It was really, really can, incredible. JJ. Can we can we do this bit first? Because queso madness in the chat. Best final ever in any tournament. Um, so what are we talking here? So, so like I, I, I would, I would take everything together now. So there's, um, there's bound to be Copa America finals we missed out on. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking just in terms of World Cups, nothing comes close. Like no. '86 itself was a good World Cup final. Um, '90 was terrible. '94 was awful. '98 uh, was go- good, but like France Not, ran away with it. Yeah. 2002 was comprehensively Brazil. 2006 was memorable, but I don't know if it was for all the right reasons. It was dramatic. 2006 was memorable. Um, 2010 
Dramatic, not, but not a great game. Not a great game. Uh, 14, not a great game. Dramatic, not a great game. Yeah. Yeah. 18 was, 18 was shaping up to be a great one, and then it really wasn't. So, yeah, I mean, if you go Euros as well, I thought Euro 2000, where, where France themselves won that one, um, they were 1-0 down to Italy, um, but it was a lot of Catanaccio versus the French trying to get it. And then they got a late one. But, but the reason that was so dramatic was it was a Trezeguet golden goal that won it. Remember golden goals? Sure. Um, so for me, I definitely think this is the best international tournament final I've seen in... Look, I can't remember the last one, so I guess it absolutely is the best one. Imagine if Golden Goal still existed and the World Cup ended on Messi scoring an extra time to win the World Cup, and that was it, the last touch of the ball. We got to bring back Golden Goal. We got to bring that back. Yeah, I, I, I did love it. Um, and, and I never felt they gave it enough time. They kind of abandoned it. They brought it in for a couple of tournaments, and then they abandoned it because they felt it wasn't getting the desired results. But, ooh, um. Yeah, I mean, I'm even now trying to like move into Champions League finals and see where this final would rank. I mean, obviously, I always Istanbul. think about Liverpool, AC Milan is always the one that comes to my mind the quickest. Um, I mean, when you add in the the, the messy storyline, I, I think this, this might, it's not, put it this way. Like, again, we're in the moment still. Like, there will be a time for reflection when we can take a step back. But I'll say this. If you are somebody out there, if you're somebody out there right now who is prepared to say, we just witnessed the greatest final that the sport has ever seen, I won't fight you. Like, I can think and we can come up with other candidates and we can really sift through it. But, like, if you want to say that, you're not crazy. That's fine. Stephen Schultz, how am I supposed to just go back to Aston Villa versus Southampton after this? I am simply not ready. (laughs) It's so true. Well, like... Think about, uh, look, we have a lot to get to, but I was going to mention this later, but if somebody's going to bring that up now, like this is not meant as a slight on Brighton. I don't mean it that way. I hope it doesn't come across that way. But like Alexis McAllister just experienced this. Like he just became like he was a player for Brighton before. He he was fine. He was a good player, but he's not like a global superstar. He goes off to Argentina, goes on this month long odyssey becomes a, a hero to a nation, experiences the greatest victory, perhaps, in that country's history. He'll have statues of him. And, like, a week from now, he goes back to Brighton, and he's just, like, a guy back in the... Like, how? how? Andrew Rinka, how is McAllister supposed to go back to Brighton and play with Dunk after running the Argentinian <laughs> midfield? It's true. But, like, that's one of the storylines that makes this Argentina team so compelling to me is because, yes... It is Argentina. They do have Lionel Messi, arguably still the greatest player in the world. There are great players on that team, certainly. And we know what their form was coming into this tournament. They were a top three favorite for a reason. But in all seriousness, though, like go up and down the roster for Argentina. Like, yeah, we they have really great. There's great players there. But like it's not a team loaded with Man City standouts, Real Madrid standouts, Barcelona standouts, Bayern Munich standout. Like they have some pepper throughout, but like. They did. They got the most out of that group of players, unquestionably. I mean, there's you know a bunch of Atletico Madrid guys. We just mentioned a Brighton guy, Sevilla. Like, there's these are good teams, certainly, but like it's not you know it's not O2 Brazil, but they were able to get that kind of firepower from a group of players that maybe on their own aren't necessarily that. Um, Harley Dude saying uh, RDP and Molina have been poor for Atleti. 
Yeah, I mean, international football is just a different thing. It's funny. I, I towards the end of the game, I was, I was, I had your questions, Andrew, and I'm not for one minute suggesting that you're so obvious now that I knew what your questions would be, but perhaps I am. But yeah. I, I had some of your questions in my head, like who was your man of the match for Argentina? And I was going through like Alexis McAllister, uh, Rodrigo de Paul. Um, who else did I do? I think was brilliant. Um, I mean, Messi did score twice. Ang, yeah, I know, but beyond Di Maria was probably Angel Di, Di Maria was amazing. Perhaps that was a substitution that Scaloni would look back and think maybe I could have got a little bit longer out of him. Considering this is the last tournament, what are you saving him for? Um, well, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, because I know I, I saw I forget somebody somebody tweeted I don't remember who questioning whether or not Di Maria going out in the sixty third is the worst substitution in the history of the tournament, and like. I get that because of how well he was playing. We can't forget, though, what was it? He missed. He was unavailable in the last three knockout stage matches or didn't start the last three knockout stage games, nursing an injury. Like, at a certain point, you do have to look at it from Scaloni's perspective. We have a two-goal lead. I've got a player who his fitness is not 100% for however great he was playing. I have to be careful. This is not the time to, like, go for glory here. Like, two two goals up should have been enough. like just from a, so so. By the way, just to interrupt, the, the um, uh, my girlfriend Darcy just they put some kind of weird robe on on Messi. Yeah, my buddy uh, Shafe just texted. I don't have the screen in front of me right now. Now that we're recording, but he said Messi is in a sexy little nighty now. Yeah, it's a see through thing with a gold, like a kind of a gold <laughs> trim. Oh God. I Brian Garcia is so scripted and manufactured. I didn't feel any sort of emotion at all. I mean, that's the problem. We are now off the field and we're into the gross. Wait, wait. Um, he, oh, does he mean? Does he mean in reference to the game or no, what's no. happening now? No, he, I, geez, if he's talking about the the game, then he's got. He's then got he's issues. lost all all sense of joy. He well, doesn't he know how be to on, experience he, he, human feeling. Well, he should be on Infowars right now. Right now, not on Caught Offside. Um, that's where he should probably go. Don't go <sighs> there, by the way. Um, Casey, take that thing off of Messi. Like, this is, that's the problem now. Now reality comes crashing in on our joy. Um, I just want to live I, in no, that game. I, nothing can. There's nothing. They, I don't care what's going on on that stage right now. Nothing could interfere with the way that I'm feeling about that game. Uh, absolutely nothing. Here's a good play? one for you, Andrew. Yeah. Seeing as we're talking about uh, Di Maria just there a second ago, uh, Noah Noah says, Andrew asked on the pod one time, which are which goals are the best? The thunderbolts out of nowhere or the long slaloming solo goals? Argentina's second team goal, whichever type that is, is my answer. Sublime. That goal, I screeched. That, that, that goal, Andrew, is just, it was so beautiful. I Because at that moment, I said, they're going to run, they're going to just win this game. And I, I welled up with emotion. It was so beautiful. Yeah. Like, Molina with the one-time pass into the midfield. Messi round the corner, taking two French players away. McAllister following his run. And, like, I know Messi's, like, little flick is probably the the standout moment from the move. But the weighted pass of McAllister mm-hmm. into, into um, Di Maria, who just... It was such a, an amazing goal. And, um, and, and that goal is iconic now. Absolutely iconic. Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, look, there's a lot of moments in this game that'll be remembered forever. But if you're if you're hoping that your World Cup final delivers you one of those moments that's replayed on highlight reels for the rest of time, that one will that one will surely be it. 
before, so I have my kind of like notes to take us through sequentially and we can stop along the way and talk about different moments that stood out. But before we do that, because the game was so crazy, I feel like there could be so many different answers. Can we play a quick game? I'm going to count to three. And at the same time, I want each of us to say what we thought was the craziest moment of the game. Can we do that? The craziest moment. I'll give you a second to think. Okay. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Martinez with the biggest save in history at one end of the field, and then Latura Martinez putting a header wide at the other I, end. I was, I was, I, I kind of knew, so I let you say it. The okay. Martinez save was, I mean, first of all, technically, it's such a good save. Well, I, I can't remember. Was that from Turam or was it from, um, was it Colomani? Maybe it was Colomani. I don't, I don't even remember. I thought it was, but I'm not, you could be right. It might have been Turam. He, he made himself, we have so many soccer and goalkeeping cliches, but he made himself just like as many points of contact as there could be with, with a shot. I'll do this. And he, it was, it wasn't quite the five point star that Schmeichel became famous for, but I think he got the, the right, his left boot to it or something. Enormous, truly enormous. And you're talking about Lautaro Martinez. I know his shot led to the messy goal for the three, two. I get that. He did not look good when he came in. Like, he looked kind of slow and labored, and I had no confidence he was going to find the back of the net. From a player who we know in Serie A with Inter has been, has been good. This, this was not... I mean, there was a real danger that had this gone, got away from Ar- Argentina and France had won the game, that the fall guys would be possibly messy for giving up the ball. On uh, the... No, I don't think anything could have happened that would have made him that. Mm. I mean, it was just we'll, ne- we'll never know. But I, I think I he, know he's reached a, a, a level where no one was going to ever blame him, no matter what happened. Well, Otamendi would a penalty. have been. would have been in there. I think um, he gave up a penalty. Yeah. But I mean, just that sequence, JJ. I mean, like imagine a World Cup final ending on the Troy Deeney sequence. Like that was that was almost what we were staring down there. It wasn't a penalty, but it was That's Martinez making it was Martinez make Emmy Martinez making a save of almost equal quality, and then play going right back down the other way in real time. I don't know that I quite understood just how much of a free header that was for Latoro Martinez. He's or, got to score. Uh, Gabriel Bustamante, Fraud Toro Martinez. <laughs> I mean, like it's not, obviously they they won. They're all heroes now. So it feels weird to be like critical and call guys that, but like there is an alternate universe right now where yeah, he's excommunicated from Argentinian society. Like, I mean, watching the replay as that was getting ready for penalties, I thought if they lose this now, he he'll never live it down. It was a six yards out with yeah. the goal there for him. I mean, Loris is doing the best he can. He made it, you know, but like it's so far wide. I don't, it, would, it was harder to do what he did than it would have been to just put that on frame. Anyway, it's not been a great tournament for inter strikers. Let's be honest. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Seriously. Um, all right. So let's go through some of this and then, you know, I'm, I'll run through my notes. You stop me along the way for all the big moments that deserve further explanation. All, right. all of you guys watching on the, the YouTube live stream right now, continue to chime in. Cause we want to be taking your comments all the way throughout this. Um, because that's what makes this as much fun as it is, especially after a game like that. I should say, too, for anyone who joined late, the reason my background looks like I'm being held hostage somewhere, uh, it's just my parents' basement. I'm here for it. We had a Hanukkah party this weekend. It was great fun. Uh, and so I'm still here. We're going to head back to New York later tonight. So that's In why the, this looks the way it does. Right. Before you get into your list of, uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be a, a very boring list, and I'm going to have to spice it up. Um, mm-hmm. 
I'm I'm joking. It was a great game. Uh, Josh Ray, uh, this game reminded me of the Clark Griswold blow up rant after not getting his bonus check and then saying, "Where's the Tylenol?" That's how I feel after this game. I I, I completely concur with that. Yes, yes. Um, all right, we'll roll through it. Uh, we start early on, JJ, and like quickly in this game, France. I don't know. They didn't. They didn't look right. Like it, it's hard to explain right away, but you. Fifth minute giveaway, McAllister with a laser right at Hugo Lloris. Like it started to kind of get your guard up a little bit, thinking, okay, like, hmm, like France a little sloppy. I don't know what's up. Um, then uh, ninth minute, JJ, the uh, we spoke the other day after the quarterfinals about the awkwardness of the Lloris Kane coming together for a penalty of the two faces of a generation at Tottenham. Ninth minute, the new most awkward Tottenham teammate moment of the tournament when Christian Romero injures Hugo Lloris. <laughs> I was just like, really? Is this is this really how it has to be? In fairness, he was, he was shoved into him uh, by, by a French player. So. But Romero is never one to shy away from contact. No, no. And never one to just get get into somebody's face. Uh, absolutely. Okay, I just, about the start of the game, Andrew, it wasn't, there was, from the from the national anthems, did you see the way the Argentinians sung the national anthem? The way Messi barked yeah. it out, they yes. were on it, absolutely on it, and they brought that intensity into the game. And France, well, France didn't do that. Um, France were second to every ball. They were, you know, they were just, and we'll we'll get to some of the things Deschamps did to try and you know, <laughs> liven the performance up. But they they didn't have that intensity. Now, here's a final where you have one team who is going to bring the intensity. They're going to bring, uh, you know, a kind of a, a, passion isn't the right word, but they're going to go for it against a side that wins games by not going for it. And that's what this final mostly was. Yeah, that's pretty true. I mean, I, I put here first 15 minutes to sum it up. Argentina getting through France's midfield with no difficulty. Um, and, and really, I don't know if you thought this at any point too, like we've made such a big deal throughout the course of this tournament of the greatness of France in that the injuries don't seem to matter. They have this way of playing and insert the next guy and the machine just keeps rolling along and you haven't really felt any of those absences at any real moment. But I thought in those 15 minutes, watching the way Argentina was just carving through the midfield so easily, it was maybe the first time where I thought, Boy, they could use N'Golo Conte right now, or a player like that. Uh, they were overran in midfield. Um, I think. I think also what was we there was an expectation prior to the game that Argentina were gonna go down that right side, attack the left back, get at Tio Hernandez. But but if if anything, it was the left hand side that they gave. Well, they gave trouble on both sides. Di Maria versus Kunde and Dembele on that side was a complete and total mismatch. France did nothing. Like literally nothing. I'm trying to think of moments where, oh, that was excellent, excellent Argentinian defending our play to break up what was happening there. Nope. But, nope. It wasn't. They just completely was, it was one directional. It really was. 17th minute, another giveaway from Teo Hernandez. He really struggled. Argentina on the counter, great ball from Messi to DePaul, passed to Di Maria, but he skied it over the bar well into the stands. 
Uh, it was a it was a really good opportunity. It was one of those moments where you know because in the if you take yourself back in the moment, at some point you do think, okay, well France they're going to come alive at some point. We've seen it throughout the course of the tournament when they need to score goals, they do. And so I started to kind of keep track of these moments of when the French wave comes. What are going to be the moments that we look back on and thought Argentina let them stay in this game? That was one of them for me. Di Maria in space, a good opportunity, and he just skied it over the bar. Which brings me JJ to the Devani pitch report. Um, Thank now, you. Sponsored now, sad- by, have, have we got a sponsor yet? Not yet. Uh, and I would say, sadly for you, you better be careful because Jenny Taft is encroaching on your territory. She had a big pitch report in this one. She- and I thought, oh, JJ is not going to like this. That's, Sorry, this is, his, this is his world. Hey, Jenny, how about you stay off my turf? Ooh. Ooh. Nope. Shots fired. But right. but I wanted to ask you, though, because there, you know, I, I watched the ball to Di Maria. Maybe it was a little bit bouncy on the way in. Could that have been the pitch? I know uh, there was that patch in front of the goal. Resodded. Uh, yeah, resodded. I was wondering, you know, is that going to make things uncomfortable? I, 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 It just felt like we haven't done many Devaney pitch reports during this tournament. It feels like we, we need one here for the final. Yeah. So so the pitch was, was very interesting. It, it was, you know, symptomatic of all modern pitches in that, it was very, it was hard. You could see that by the bounce of the ball, but it was cutting up too. So it was, you saw a lot of players trying to pat, oh, very good, Noah, pitch slapped with JJ Devaney. Um, <laughs> so the, the ball was flying around um, and was moving decently on it, but it would bobble, but players were slipping. There was plenty of slipping happening. And, and, and just from a visual standpoint, I've never seen anything so Sunday league in my life as the resodding of the of the six yard box, because you could clearly see the square mm-hmm. that had been dug up and replaced uh, versus the rest of the field that hadn't been touched. It was it was very kind of um, New York City Parks and Rec replacing a soccer field on Randall's Island, which is a, a deep cut from um, from soccer here in New York. But that's what it looked like, and and I honestly felt that um, a couple of times people have noticed on the broadcast that. On the slow motion replay, when a player was on the ground holding himself in the clenches of some kind of injury, either feigned or real, if you looked at the bottom of his cleats, there was an incredible amount of dirt on the cleat, not usual for the modern field. So uh, my pitch report would be, I give it a, I give a six out of 10 and it just mm. gets a six because it held up at least. Um, and thankfully the penalties were taken at the, at the, at the good goal mouth, as opposed to the, the reconstructed goal mouth. Yeah. Um, so that was the 17th minute where I started to think, Ooh, are Argentina, are they just letting France in this game? Because inevitably France will come alive, but just four minutes later, the 21st minute Di Maria. Wow. What a move to get past Dembele just takes him out of the play or does he, because then Dembele tries to come back and it's a penalty. Messi converts. Of course he does. And it's a goal in the moment. I thought no controversy. It looked every bit a penalty. Dembele trying to get back into the play trips up Di Maria stonewall. I never, I didn't give it a second thought fast forward to halftime when you watch replays. And I thought, wait a minute, he didn't, I don't think he actually touched him. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to be mad at Dembele. What are you doing fouling him in that position? Don't compound a mistake with a worse mistake. But I don't think he actually did. I think Di Maria knew. I mean, there's there's contact upper body. Their arms touch. So Di Maria knows Dembele's behind him. And I think he just decides, I'm going to ground here. Everyone will think that he's tripped me. And he's right. I, there was no VAR intervention, nothing. But I don't I mean, 
I'm not seeking out controversy to in some way invalidate this game. That's the last thing I want to do. But if we're just if we're just speaking facts, like I don't know that there was that there was any actual contact there. I I would have to watch it again. I thought there was contact and I thought in the replay there still was a little bit of contact, but it was minimal. My anger was entirely focused on. And I think it was the same anger Deschamps showed later on in the half on Dembele. Uh It's not ideal that Kunde is the one to tuck in and that it's Dembele that has to go out. But when you have to do that job, you have to do it properly. And he runs out and it's such an easy turn. You know, it's, he just cuts. It's not like there's some elaborate step over. It's just a cut. Stay on your feet. Don't dive in there. And he absolutely dives in there. And, and that's, my, that's my big thing. You might be right about the penalty, but I think we could say equally the same about the one Otamendi gave away. I mean, those I, thought, ex- I mean, we'll get to that. I thought yeah, there was contact. I, I know. I don't want to fast forward, but I, I, either of the penalties, if, if you saw either of those penalties ruled out, would you be, you wouldn't have been shocked. And you're not shocked that they're given either. That's these are the gray areas. I, I guess you're the, right, but if there's not contact, then I like. I think there was though, Andrew. I do think there was with their legs. I don't. I don't look. I'll watch it again. I mean, for the life of me, I watched it several times. I don't know that there's any actual leg contact. Don't I think forget Di Maria the VAR just, will intervene if it's like a clear and obvious error, and the the VAR team clearly thought, look. No, it's, there's not enough there to go against the decision yeah, on the field. Which I don't know. I mean, it looked up, in real time. I didn't. I didn't even think twice. Like everything about it seemed to be penalty until halftime when I really watched it again and again and again. I I don't know. I don't know. No, um, um, Jacob P. Good. I think Dembele just tripped him. Just managed to cl- catch his trailing leg. Casey Atkins. It was a pen. He tripped him from behind when Di Maria was in a. a yeah, okay, tripping from behind. Um, Stacey yeah. Lofton, Kunde too far back as second defender as well. I don't see how he's got it. The, because the because it was a, a switch of play from the Argentinians, it's natural that the, the, the defense, the French defense will slide across. And if they do, then the fullback has to take up someone in the center. That means it's it becomes Dembele's job to defend that. Right. Um, and Tanner says, Dembele didn't argue the penalty call whatsoever. It tells you all you need to know. In my yeah, all right. If, look, I, I want to be outvoted. I don't want there to be some like pall of controversy that hangs over this one. Like, I, I don't want that for this game. So I if, if I'm outvoted and it's unanimous. Cool. I know that I got I didn't think anything of it until I got two text messages at halftime from people saying that saw the replay that said, are, are we sure about that? And so then I bet, went back and watched it. And my takeaway was, no, I'm not sure about it. But fair enough. Uh, we move on, JJ, because after that goal happened, I said, um, I was watching with my parents and I said, okay, well, the thing I hope now is that like France are great. Like maybe now we're in for, we'll be in for a fun game. They've been sleepwalking and like, they're going to have to wake up now. New for the next 10 to 15 minutes, nothing, nothing. no response, more of the same, just total one way traffic. Nothing. I was like, they're definitely going to get the ball to Mbappe now. And they're definitely going to try and stretch Romero. They're going to try to stretch Otamendi. We're going to see some, pick up in the intensity and if anything Argentina were the ones that were inspired by the crowd by the 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 term that the the stats guys hit is momentum but the momentum was heading all the way in the direction of Argentina not the other way there was no response no none and then finally when you thought okay maybe a a smidgen of like a hint of a response 36th minute uh errant pass from Christian Romero 
Molina couldn't handle it, goes out for a, a throw-in, quick, taken quickly, gets to Mbappe. He threatens. He kind of gets around the corner, around Christian Romero, but Molina's back covering. That was the first moment where I was like, okay, maybe Mbappe playing his way into the game. That was a little bit threatening. But before, JJ, I could even finish like writing the note of that happening, bang, we're going the other way. Quick counter. Like you said, inch-perfect passing from one player to the next. McAllister's ball to Di Maria, perfect. And it's a goal. Like the first moment where I thought maybe France are coming back in, you blink your eyes, it's going back the other way, and it's 2-0, and it feels like it's over at yeah. that point. It, it it genuinely did. And there was, I, I, again, it sounds like hyperbole, but there was like emotion coming from the TV. It, it felt like you Di were- Maria the, was crying on the field. Yeah. In the it, first half. Yeah, it was- it didn't feel like so. So Messi had said in the lead up to the game that this team, and I may be misquoting him here. He either said this team knows how to struggle or knows how to suffer. And so I didn't feel like they were soft. I didn't feel like they'd be overrun or anything of that nature. I thought this game is over. I genuinely felt that. I thought that too. France had shown nothing no, to nothing. make you think that there was going to be any kind of response. And like you said, yeah. You know, the emotion from Argentina just felt like nothing was going to happen on this day that would deny them this trophy. It just, I don't know. All the signs were, were just pointing at that. And, you know, I said before that, like, if you look up and down the Argentinian squad and you look at the French squad, like it's probably like player for player, France are probably the better team. Um, But I, I just can't help but wonder like how much does emotion matter? Like how much, you know, does like the the supposed, I mean, there was a clear home field advantage in that game for Argentina as there has been throughout this tournament in any match that they played in. Like, do all, can how much do all those things lift a team to suddenly be that much better than a seemingly better opponent? Because I felt like that was kind of what we were witnessing in the first half, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I... I... Now, there's other angles to this, too. We know that there's a virus that has spread amongst the French team. Sure. But I, I don't want to lean too much into that because what we've said already rings true to me. This is a side that likes to do the minimum. And what are you going to do when you face a side that is playing at its maximum? And, and that's just the story of the game up until later on. Well, um, much later on. Yeah. So the side that was doing the minimum... In the 41st minute, that manager decided, okay, this is not sustainable. Minimum, no more. I have to intervene. And he did in a huge way, taking off two players in Olivier Giroud and Ousmane Dembele, who have been fairly heroic uh, over the course of this tournament for this French side. He yanked them right on out of there in the first half. Well, I, I mean, think for Giroud, Andrew, like he, he wanted, and if you look, when, when Turam came in, what did Turam come in and do? He ran around. He was physical. He put himself about. He tried to win tackles. He tried to get on the ball. That was the stuff Giroud couldn't and possibly can't do anymore. And Dembele, I think, was a direct reaction to them getting overrun on that right-hand side. Uh, sorry, excuse me, on that left-hand side. Um, no, the right. It's the right. I was right. On the, the left-hand side of the Argentinian attack. I, I just think he he wanted him out of the game. He he wasn't in the game. He wasn't given anything going forward because France couldn't build attacks. And then the one thing he had to do defensively, he messed up. So I think he just, he that was it. He had it. And it's another strange chapter in the weird career of probably one of the most talented players in the world, Ousmane Dembele. 
It's another weird one. Hooked before halftime in a World Cup final. I know. I, what to make of this guy and where his career is going, I don't know. Like We highlighted that. I talked about that after, uh, I forget which Champions League match it was for Barcelona, but I think I, I remember talking about how he's just, uh, in my frustration power rankings, he's near the top because like he is all things. He is, at moments, like a joy to watch. He's incredible. He's pivotal. Uh, to a team success, but then you have games like this, where this is this is like you said, yanked before the half of a World Cup final. Yeah, I mean, I still think he's a great player, um, but this was a day he'll want to forget. That's for sure. Case uh, of madness, Dembele was having a bad half, but wasn't sure about Giroud. It wasn't that Giroud was doing anything bad; he just couldn't get on the ball. They couldn't get him the ball. Therefore, the thing to do was to get someone who's more mobile and who can get around the field, and. I guess as we later on, it, it it paid off. It absolutely did. It did. So let's go to the second half now. Not much at the start. Uh, 58th minute, France seeing maybe a tiny bit more of the ball, but still, I mean, through the first roughly 15 minutes um, or more of that second half, it was kind of more of the same. You started seeing French frustration kick into play. Rabio hard foul. Mbappe, hard foul. Where, where Mbappe kicked the back. I forget who. It was Rodrigo DePaul, I think, who was just getting kicked all over the place yeah. in this game. I and mean, he was just like... Rabio did a scissor tackle on him. Yeah. Um, and DePaul was just taking it left and right. Uh, 60th minute. Di Maria wreaking havoc again. Plays the ball in. Dummy to Messi. Uh, but Rabio with a last-ditch tackle um, to save another threatening moment. Um France still nothing, nothing. You're waiting and waiting. When will it come? Finally, like we said at the start of the pod, it took till the 71st minute for France to finally register a shot. And it was a poor one. Mbappe, who had done really nothing in this game. This was supposed to be the the moment of ascension for him. Like we all know how great he is, but on this stage, in this final against Messi, it just felt like this was this was supposed to be the day when Mbappe inherits the crown. Um, yeah. You can call that a silly narrative or whatever, but it is it is sort of just the, the the mainstream media thought going into this one. And if that was the way it was supposed to go, Mbappe had come up small. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Until, until the two minutes that changed the world, JJ. The 80th penalty. Otamende trips Colomwani in the box. Mbappe steps up, takes it goal uh this one i don't know we, we debated before penalty or no penalty i don't know this one i thought was i thought that there was clear contact i didn't i didn't think anything of it i thought yeah well he no, got but him. but it was just so typical of france i mean what was it, it was a long ball it wasn't even to mbappe it was uh to colomwane and you know it was a foot race it was out of nothing it wasn't from good yeah. play it wasn't from anything like, if you contrast that to what Argentina had did with the ball for the second goal, it's just striking. And it doesn't matter because penalty was converted. Uh, Martinez got a hand on it. Um, and, and then it's game on. And then you worry a little bit. Yeah. Well, because that moment, you know, for whatever, from whatever feebleness that it was born out of, the one thing it now does is give France hope. That like now, whatever tired legs were out there, whatever players were out there that were still battling this virus, like all of a sudden there's there's this hope that I think brings an adrenaline rush along with it. And conversely, if you're Argentina, I know how I was 
what I was thinking watching this after that penalty went in. I'm wondering if you or other people out there uh, who are watching us right now were thinking the same. I mean, I just thought they blew this lead in less time against the Dutch. Yeah. You know, like this, that only just happened. Like there, you can't help but start to think like, uh oh, we've, we've done this before. Like, and then I wonder if there's a, a tightening up a little bit. Well, uh, Rene Elias, Argent- who clearly probably a Argentina supporter, Argentina s the bed so fast. Supporting this team destroys my nerves. It when it happens, it happens quick for them. And but again, um, I suppose what Messi will say was, if this happens to us in 2018, France go on and win the game. This team has more resiliency in it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, yes. The answer is yes. Like they did, they went on and won. So who am I to argue? You could also say a team with more resiliency would give up that first goal and then shut it down and not allow it to get to this point. But, but they uh, won. I mean, a couple of people in the chat are making the point, and it was made on Twitter as well. To us, like Argentina looked absolutely after the after that, um, after that second after the equalizer goes in. Who did you feel was going to go on and win it? Because France. Yeah, Argentina looked gassed. But to their credit, I would say in extra time, Argentina looked, for most of extra time, of the two periods of extra time, looked like they'd kind of got their, their rhythm back. Yeah, you, you might be right. I mean, look, I thought extra time was chaos. Like, I thought both teams had good chances. Um, but you're right in that Argentina, like, there was a point, and we'll go through it here, 81st minute goal, we're tied, Mbappe again, uh, an incredible moment, a moment that will not be forgotten in, in World Cup history and football history. Um, and so now here we go. I think it's Messi loses his head in, on that goal because he's surrounded by two French players and he tries to dribble, keep the ball instead of going simple, doing it simple. Coleman wins it. Now, Coleman wins it almost on the halfway line, but the, you look up and the Argentinian defenses and midfield is gone and the ball in. It's a lovely one, too, between um, Turam and Mbappe. And then this kind of sliding volleyed finish. Now, Martinez gets a hand on it. I, I still think there's just too much power generated. And, and there we go. It's, I mean, the faces in the stands of the Argentinian supporters, you just fed for them. They were watching it all collapse. Yeah. I mean, it felt to me in that moment, and what you just said before about how gassed it seemed like Argentina were, um, you know, Rodrigo de Paul was like the human embodiment of that. He just looked like he had nothing. He had been just destroyed for for the last like 45 minutes of that game. Like, I don't know. I got to a place with this one where I remember thinking after that goal went in and saying, if this goes, if Argentina do what they need to do to see out at least the rest of regulation here, if this goes to extra time, they may lose this one 5-2. Like it might be one of those where like they just have so little left to give that and France, you know, find it. And and I know we don't yeah. the what you said before about momentum, but whatever. Like I do believe in momentum as a thing um, that I, I thought it could have completely gotten away from Argentina, but it didn't. They did hold their nerve. The rest of regulation was crazy. Uh, 87th minute, nearly a penalty with Taram. But the ref, to his credit, was on that. Got it. I mean, Perfect. I thought for sure penalty, and he was right. I think I think Taram went out of his way to create contact there and and dove. I thought oh, he it was literally right he call. literally kicked out at him as he was going over the old. Yeah. Um, we've seen, I think, was it Jimmy Vardy do that a couple of times? 
I mean, it's a classic. Lots of players do it. It's um, like Reggie Miller going up for a three, like but always the, kick that leg out to get contact. But but the ref saw it immediately, saw yeah. it immediately, and called it called it perfectly, and uh, and it was the right decision with no argument from Tehran. No, there way. wasn't. I'm I'm curious to see what your notes are from then on. Ninety plus three, uh, DePaul loses possession. Mbappe with another shot deflected for a corner. Mbappe has awoken. Is what I. <laughs> what I um, Ninety plus four. The chaos continues. Foul, but uh, advantage is played. Huge save from Martinez. Argentina defense is falling apart. And then, JJ, 90 plus seven. Perhaps what could have been the final touch of the ball, if this was a script that was being written, the ball comes to Messi at the top of the box, just creates a little bit of space, and then whips in a laser at goal. But it's too central. Even with that, Lloris has to make a great save to knock it over the bar. Yeah, I thought, I mean, that was, if you had your your fairy tale ending for this storybook script, like that ball finding the back of the net would have been it. Uh, it didn't, but it was at least a sign that Argentina weren't dead yet as this one then went off to extra time. But the final, I mean, from from the penalty through the end of stoppage time were 17 of just the most pulse pounding minutes that this sport has delivered at least as far as I'm concerned watching this game. Yeah, it was, it, it was truly, truly engaging stuff. Like how could you not be moved by this? Uh, it was, you know, again, I was rooting for Argentina. I was rooting for Messi. I wanted this to happen for them. Um, and I was just like that fear. That's always there because the French have such talent. <laughs> I, I thought extra time was going to see the French not run away with it, but get another one and finish mm-hmm. the game out. But it, it didn't happen like that. No, no, it didn't. Um, I thought that too. And I felt the same as you. Like I said, when I watch England, I sometimes I can't help it. I just find myself rooting a certain way. That happened with me too, with Argentina. I don't know. I just wanted it. I couldn't help it. Just Take me through, take me through your points in, in extra time, Andrew, please. Don't have I, too much here. I don't have too much. Well, I, I, I got have, to a you'll point. You'll say something and it was just one of those unbelievable moments. Um, I say unbelievable. It's a believable moment. Um, just on Twitter, one of our one of our listeners was Johnny on the spot, but I, I'll wait for you to team me up. So yeah, this is I started to reach that phase of the game where I was like, I just want to watch this now. I'm done. I'm putting the computer away. Now I did put a couple things down. Both uh, 105th minute, it all it all opens up for Arturo Martinez, but a guy who we've been critical of at times throughout this tournament, Upamecano, comes flying in to make a last ditch deflection and knock that away it was an unbelievable defensive play one of the defensive plays of the tournament certainly of this game uh, if France go on and win you circle it you remember it if it, if you're him you get a picture printed and put on your wall but then two minutes later whoa 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 back yeah, up okay there. hold yeah, on okay. one second All right, yeah. why is he taking a second touch fair point like that gives Upa Meccano the few seconds it's a brilliant block don't get me wrong but it gives him just a chance to get across and I I tweeted out, I think in caps, why is Lautaro taking a second touch there? Mm. And someone responds really quickly. This is actually weird that he did that. I won't do X and Y axis, but he sent me a screen grab of a stats bomb chart from the 21-22 season. Lautaro Martinez, in terms of shots per 90, first time shots is way out, <laughs> way out in front. So against his better nature. Now, does that come from having a kind of a, an up and down tournament? You know, like 
Saudi Arabia game didn't work out. He comes back for, was it the, like he scores in another game, scores a converts his penalty in another game. But like just the bad start to the tournament, maybe he's tightened up a bit and maybe he's not feeling himself. And he takes that second touch instead of hitting it first time because I was ready. I was ready to see the net bustling with a goal there. Yeah, as was I. I thought that was coming. It didn't. But then two minutes later, another one of these situations where as you're kind of waiting for the whistle to blow for the end of the first period of, of extra time, hold on. All of a sudden, Acuna with a great ball for Martinez again. Um, but again, as things were opening up, it's Upamakano who's there. And I think he deflects it wide. It was given as a goal kick. I think he got a boot on it. At the very least, if he didn't, he certainly bumped Martinez off of whatever he wanted to do and made it a little more difficult for him. Than maybe was that the one where be. he looked like he was running in slow motion? I mean, that's hard for me to answer that. That's like, kind of subjective. Look, didn't look sharp. Um, um, and I, yeah, know some... I thought I thought Upamakano got a touch on it, but it was given as a goal kick. But I'll, I'll still give him credit because I thought he did deflect it wide. Mm. Um, and so then that takes us into the second period of extra time and then 108th minute it was for whatever we thought the moment was going to be deep in stoppage time when Messi had his chance here comes Argentina on the break Latura Martinez fires one of Hugo Lloris good save but it comes right there and there he is Lionel Messi converts uh, you had to wait a moment it wasn't unfortunately it wasn't the kind of goal where you could instinctively just go crazy uh, because it was no. knocked out but I mean uh, there's it's clear as day. Like obviously that ball into across the line with ease. Kunde was deep in the net when he tried to, uh, to send it back out. Then there was also the VAR review for an offside. It was close, but right call onside. Go crazy. Argentina. I'm sure Buenos Aires exploded in that moment. And it felt like the script had been written JJ and the, and the book had been closed, but it had not Andrew. <laughs> uh, just a quick one from Gino Barrias on, on, on the chat. Anyone else think it's wild? Argentina only made one sub in regulation and what a sub that they made and played with two left backs for most of the game. There's another guy who will probably feel a little bit relieved and that will be Scaloni. I I definitely think so. Um, Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Okay. Well, we can talk about that because I do have a question at the end of this that I was going to ask you. Um, But before we get to that, 116th, we thought this was over. But it was not a clear, I mean, we argue all the time. I don't know what a handball is or isn't. Uh, I, I give up. I'm done trying. This one, like as for me, this one was. It's like, I didn't think there was any controversy around this. It, this one was. Um, and an incredible moment where for the second time in this game, Argentinian fans that thought they had this trophy won are now being forced to reckon with the possibility that, wait a minute, no, you don't. French fans that thought they were done, wait a minute, we're back in this. Mbappe converts a hat trick for Mbappe. I mean, you talk about like a moment being robbed from him, a hat trick in a World Cup final, um, but he go- winds up eventually going down as the loser. Like this this was supposed to be his, I don't know, it's, it's a weird thing to say this was supposed to be his moment, um, and his ascension and all that, but like he is that guy. Like I think he's proven that you know, regardless the outcome of this, I don't know how much it matters in terms of what what I feel about him right now. But to get the hat trick in in a losing effort, this is going to be a weird one for him to look back on. 
Yeah, certainly is. Um, just on the handball, I asked the, the animals in the stream, clear handball, definite handball, handball, elbow was too high, 100%, handball, current laws, yes, handball, handball, hit outside the t-shirt line. I, yeah. I agree, but he's in a kind of a jumping motion, so it's, it's, it's difficult to do any of that um, because... Uh, or to keep your limbs in check when you're when you're making those kind of di- dynamic movements. But yeah, letter of the law, handball, I guess. It's a, yeah, it's a hand. I don't know. I didn't. I well, didn't at that see point, controversy. At that point, you had to feel confident when you had Emmy Martinez for penalties. Oh well, yeah. And before we got to penalties, like we talked about at the start of all this, we now come full circle to one of the craziest sequences in the history of the sport: <laughs> the the third minute of stoppage time in extra time. Um, it was kind of just this, like, what is going on here? Exclamation mark to to this game of Emmy Martinez making what I'm going to go ahead and say is the biggest save in the history of this sport. I mean, he's, he single-leggedly gives Argentina a chance to win this World Cup by sticking out that limb. And then we come right back the other way. Uh, Latour Martinez gets a free header in front of goal. Puts it so far wide. It was, uh, I mean, it was a horrifying moment for him. And again, like we talked about, if Argentina go on and lose this, it's the moment that that he'll have a hard time coming back from to not even at least put it on frame, force Hugo Lloris to do something. But he puts it so far wide. And then finally, almost mercifully, the whistle blows and off to penalties we go. I don't know. There's nothing like we can debate for the rest of time as to whether or not penalties are a suitable way to end a soccer match. Like, I don't know that I can think of another one. I don't I don't believe they can play forever. Like some people would want, just keep going until someone scores. I think it becomes a matter of safety at a certain point with how much these guys are running. But this game in particular, it just felt wrong to me that some someone's legacy was going to be negatively affected by, by a penalty. It just, I don't know, I just, it's hard to put it into words. I just didn't want this one to be decided at the spot. I don't know. Just more than ever, I felt. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying, but we just we just got to that point and it's it's like there's nothing you can do after that. We don't have any rule to play an extra 10 minutes or an extra five minutes. That's all we've got. So you just kind of you end up just accepting it. Although I do feel like a final like that does deserve to be finished on the field. But whatever um, uh, people are saying, save was amazing. Uh, just going back a little bit, uh, a lot of people making a good distinction. Maybe not the greatest save ever, but the most clutch save ever. So I think that's okay. a good one. For, yeah, for, that's probably a good way of putting it. I mean, I'm sure that there have been there. Of course, there have been saves with a higher degree of difficulty, but I just can't I can't remove it from the context with when it with within which it occurred. Like as I get as. A, yeah, exactly. You're right. I'm just on the pens, as I get older and I've seen it in the chat here, maybe we do. The MLS penalty. You got to get your shot off within 20 seconds. You you run from what was it? 25 yards out or something like that. Further out, 30 yards. 1v1 v the, v the keeper. Now, that seems wow, especially a, cruel yeah. if you're already cramping up after 120 minutes. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I know that there have been people who before have argued for corner kicks you know, at least some kind of like some sort of phase of play that does involve yeah. 
I don't know. I'm not going to say penalty. They do involve skill. They absolutely do. They're not. I've come to learn over the years in the beginning. If we, if you listen to us doing this podcast nine years ago, you would hear me basically saying it's all luck. It's nonsense. It's BS. It's, it doesn't decide. It doesn't mean anything other than deciding the outcome of a game. I, I have come to see that a little bit differently. There is skill attached to it. There is still luck. I've seen guys take plenty of awful penalties that have been converted. I've seen guys take good penalties that a keeper has somehow you know done his homework and made the save. So there is still luck involved to it. Um, but there there is there is a talent to it as well. We've seen the difference between guys who know what they're doing when they step up there and the ones who are just utterly clueless. So there is skill. I, I think um, from this podcast, we've learned bring back the golden goal. Just do that. Why not? I don't know why they were so like, you tell me what was, what was the reason? Were they thinking that teams were just too nervous? So they weren't trying to go for it. I think that was part of it. I think they, they felt they didn't get the return on investment, basically saying there wasn't enough games that ultimately got solved and a lot still ended up at penalties. I think that was what it was. Although there's like, again, the classic example was Trezeguet's goal against, against Italy. And I remember in the O2 world cup on against Italy for South Korea, what a moment. You got to stick with it if you're going to do something. You've got to stick with it think, and allow yeah. teams to realize here's your here's your chance to do it. Here's your chance. Bail- yeah, I think they bailed too soon. And just did. like also too, fine, you can say that like it wasn't creating the sort of outcome that they were hoping for consistently enough, but just like from a fan's perspective, like watching an NHL playoff game that goes to a sudden death overtime, like even when nothing's happening, there is still this fear this like palpable tension that like any misplaced pass, like yeah. any mistake from anyone out there is going to end this game at any moment. Like you, you're living the entire extra frame on a knife's edge. Even if nothing's happening, you don't know that yet. Like you can look back on it and say, ah, oh, nothing happened. That was a waste. But in the moment you're terrified. So I don't know. I think I, I wouldn't rush to your suggestion of going to the MLS penalty structure, but I think golden goal, I think there's another life for that. I really do. Um, as far as penalties are concerned, I mean, look, I don't have much analysis on them um, other than to say, you know, Martinez is one of the one of the most interesting Emmy Martinez. I should say there are multiple Martinez's out there. Emmy Martinez is one of the most interesting characters that this sport has right now. Um, his histrionics, his antics, he's he's a complete and total D out there. But it works for him. Uh, yeah, I, I do think there's some things that they could tidy up. Like, I don't mind him mouthing. I don't mind him being, you know, the the kind of the D that you call him. Uh, yeah. But I do think that one, was it was it Tuchmani's penalty that was missed? I mean, I'm already forgetting the penalties. There was just so much drama. Yeah, that he put wide. So he, but prior to that penalty, he walks up and down the line holding the ball. And, and like kind of talking to himself. And then when it's time to give the ball to the penalty taker, he throws it to the edge of the box. Yeah. Like that shouldn't be allowed, right? So what is that, a card? Like what do you do there? No, not a card. You make sure that the ball is not in his hands, that he's not allowed to do that, that the ball is in the possession of the referee and then handed to the penalty taker to play. I guess, on the spot. but like how, how can you do that though? Like if Martinez picks the ball up, like and the, what does he do? Like is a referee going to fight him? Like, I mean, yeah, what I do you do? Uh, people are pointing out that, and um, my girlfriend said it to me too. I had obviously given up on the, the award celebration thing, uh, but uh, Sean uh, notes in the chat that humping the golden glove was interesting. So he got the golden glove and he put it down where his penis would be and simulated <laughs> a sexual act on it. 
I'm, I don't know. My instinct is to laugh. If you're someone out there whose instinct was to be horrified, I guess I won't fault you for that. Um, I mean, like, I guess we were doing this podcast at that point, so I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. Um, All right. It's it's going to become a GIF, basically. Yeah. Wow. A GIF for ownage, as if we don't have enough of that in the modern. I mean, I I saw his press, his, um, he met the media afterwards and he was like, Incons- like his, he couldn't stop crying um obviously this meant a lot to him i guess my biggest takeaway from these penalties was partially that martinez heroic figure for argentina for however much of a character he is thank god messi converted his i don't i couldn't i couldn't bear to see that had he not um but, uh, messi gave us the full gamut of penalties in the last few games so the one against ne- the netherlands um the in in regular time blasted mm-hmm. into the top corner like well blasted whipped it wasn't even blasted it was whipped high and handsome and then the penalty the first penalty today with the stutter step and he he, he does Larice on that and that like he's he suddenly become this confident penalty kick, kick taker and then he mixes it up when it comes to the um to the shootout and does this little rolled penalty was that in the wrong like, way and just but rolls it oh are brilliant. we sure that was a good penalty um, got away with it, maybe. Okay, like he scored. Know. That's what matters. Did, yeah, he did send Loris the wrong way. So I guess if you send the keeper the wrong way and the ball doesn't go goes the the way you want it to, that's a good pen. I guess you're right. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll give it to him. It's messy. Sure, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Darren Fitzpatrick penalties come down to balls. As simple as that. That is true, Darren, and true vote literally and metaphorically. Yeah, good point. Well said, Darren. Um. And my only other takeaway from penalties is Gonzalo Montiel. Just like one of the interesting things about penalties, for however much we might not like them or think that they're a suitable or an unsuitable way to end a game, much like baseball, like in baseball, if it's the bottom of the ninth and two out and there's two outs, you don't choose who comes up to bat in game seven of a World Series. Like the moment chooses the person for you like it could you don't get to decide okay Bryce Harper get up there and let's and be a hero like like whoever it is it is and that guy either becomes a hero or not Francisco Cabrera for the Atlanta Braves in 92 a nobody a hero with a game-winning hit like it's it's a lot like that in penalties and so up steps Gonzalo Montiel again a fine player but like he now has he's now bearing the weight of a world cup and even more than that like we all know how much this World Cup has meant to these Argentinian players to win it, not just for their country, but specifically for that guy, for Messi. Like, he's now bearing the weight of that as well. Like, it's, and he goes up to his credit, he looks calm, he converts it, and you could see instantaneously that he was, that like the weight of all those things were not lost on him. He broke down the second that ball went through the net. It's one of the most emotional things I've ever seen in sports because you know he was so aware of what was at stake with that kick. There was no in his head like he on that team. He's not one of the superstars. He's kind of just a guy on this Argentinian team. And for the for the spotlight to find that guy, yeah, and for him to convert, like I can't even imagine what must have been going through his head. And he was overcome instantly. It was really incredible. I would love to see the um, 
the stats are we know these guys who who work with Liverpool on set pieces and penalties and they have them all wired up and there's electrodes on their brains. And I I would love to know the body state that you get into the kind of stress that's on the brain, the stress that's on the central nervous system, all those things in in those scenarios. Um, Yeah. Oh, look, I, I, I was genuinely delighted. I was, I genuinely felt, um, felt delighted about it. And I, I, it, it just felt fitting to me. And um, I, I can't believe how emotional I get. I guess when you've got a character like Messi that you've been watching and, and just kind of enjoying for, for this length of time and he finally achieves this moment in his career, I suppose you're not just crying for him, you're crying for yourself too. You're you're invested in, in what's happened and you think of, you think of the passing of time and all the moments you've spent watching him and it all comes together. And I was genuinely emotional for him. Um, and there's lots not to like about, about Messi. And, and certainly, and we've, we've talked about on this podcast, the sponsorships he's taken on the associations he's taken on when he has more money than God. Mm-hmm. Um, he's put himself in, in the pocket of some bad actors, but just as the footballer, as the, the footballing persona, you I felt nothing other than just joy for him. Yeah, so did I. I just, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I just wanted, I wanted this to be the outcome. And that's nothing against France. I I like this French team quite a bit. I mean, there's a lot of players there that I love. Um, And, you know, we'll talk about legacies that come out of this. But like, you know, I'm someone who actually has been somewhat supportive of D.A. Deschamps when many have not been. No, he's Um, been, he's, he's even talked about you. Um. He said That's it. Nice. He said, nice. I, "I at least I have. I may not have the support of the French public, but I have the backing of Andrew, which probably means more." Yeah, in my estimation. One quick and... one, Andrew Darcy says, "Wasn't it Montiel who gave up the handball penalty?" Um, and it was. So there was oh even more writing on that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah, just an incredible moment. Um, you know, you, you talk about Messi. I guess as we wind it down now and kind of talk about the big takeaways from this. It's funny. Um, I wanted him to win this, but like to me, even before this happened, you know, a lot of people have asked me both like on Twitter at work, wherever, just like, okay, will this settle the debate? And like, I've been of the opinion that like, I don't know for me. No, like there had, there isn't one like whatever happens here with Messi. Uh, with Argentina, whatever had happened in this game, it, it would not change for me the light within which I view him. Like he's, for me, he's the greatest I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess for some people, maybe this does for Messi what Tom Brady's Super Bowl with the Bucks did for like the the Brady Manning debate, where it just like completely closes the door on any argument. Maybe there's people where like they'll view this in that way with Messi, Ronaldo, Pele, Maradona, whoever. They'll think, okay, well he did it now, and that is like now we can end this conversation forever. I was kind of already there. Yeah. Um, like this is I'm just happy. I just think it's cool that he did it. That like we all have this memory of now having seen him win this thing. Um, but but more in terms that, of what it means for his status as a player, it didn't, it did not affect me at all. But more than that, he, 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 he just didn't, he wasn't a part of it. And he limped over the line and he finally gets to lift that trophy. As Brad points out, Messi had the best world cup of his career. Yeah. And he deserved this tournament. win. I mean, the world cup has been a, just a kind of a terrible place for him. 
And uh, now if you look at the last two years of international football, the Copa America in, uh, last year and now the World Cup, this is, this is a fine Indian summer to his international career. And, um, and you know, the GOAT thing is, I don't know, I got very bored with it. I mean, I yeah. remember it at its height on the podcast, like when Ronaldo was, was ripping off those Champions League wins with, with Real Madrid. It got it got too much because at that point you're you're creating spreadsheets. You're creating you know this versus that. Um, oh, Ronaldo is the goat because he has his European Championship trophy, uh, but Messi doesn't have anything. I, like it just, I don't know. It sucked the joy out of it a little bit. Um, and you isn't know, that a, isn't there a line like that? Comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, but for but like, right, so like just it's essentially it. saying like who I wasn't cares. Compa- Let's just love all of them. I wasn't sat comparing uh, the European Championship final in 2016 to the World Cup final as I watched that. There, I was just enthralled by what happened, and um, and it's interesting because we had one of the great things about doing YouTube is like the comment sections are amazing, and um, on our Reddit there was another comment where. Someone was pushing back against the iconic moment Messi had against Gvardiol in the semi-final, and I'm like, okay. And he said it wasn't, uh, it wasn't an iconic moment, rather a measure of Messi's decline that he didn't blow away from Gvardiol. And I just thought, wow, like if we are, and I know I'm the worst on the podcast for from comparing things. Sometimes it can be fun, but sometimes it is the thief of joy. No. You know, Messi's not going to blow away from Gavardiol. Gavardiol is 15 years younger than him. It's not happening. But look at what he did do to him. Can't we just enjoy that? And it's the same today. You know, the things Messi can do with the ball, the things that Argentina t- did today, maybe we should forget about goat conversations and um, finally he's won his trophy and, and just actually just appreciate the final we saw for what it was, which was a superb game. I love the animals in Reddit. I do. All of them. I love that space. Um, But for whoever wrote that, like, imagine that, imagine watching that moment and your takeaway being, boy, he's not good anymore. But it's not that it was more, it was more, yeah, it was, you know, it it was what it was, but look at how it's more of this than it is of that. You know, it's more declined than it is. Now, the person I responded the person uh, rode back a little bit. I've revealed myself unto the animals, by the way. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, because I want, I want to just, you know, there's, we've got things coming up on the podcast and their opinions are, are wanted. So yeah. I wanted, wanted to get, get in touch with them. But I just said, you know what? Yeah, just the way he toyed with Gvardiol, kept the ball away from him. Can we not just enjoy that rather than he didn't have the athletic fibers in his hamstrings to scorch him? Like, I mean, who? nobody at 26 is the same then at 36. They, they aren't, but they can be differently good. Right. Um, Your game changes. You find a way. You adapt. You get smarter. Uh, you, you you work the angles. I don't know. I, I'm i going to love that moment, uh, and I'm Cor- not going to see it as a, a negative. Cormac uh, got in the chat, uh, and he said, um, I, I, I guess this was when I was listing um, Messi's achievements on the international stage over the past two, two years. He said, don't forget the finalissimo, which was that. <laughs> 
Why was why did that happen? Argentina and Italy, the I, European I mean, Championship winners versus the Copa the America Cop- winners. Yeah. As an it? idea, I don't hate that. I'm I know, okay but I I did not take that seriously. Right, but like, I don't think it's a horrible idea to put those two up against each other. What we should have is the return of the Confederations Cup, where they can all take part. <laughs> well, you love you only love that because America excelled once at it. That's but what. it also but not only that it also gave greater meaning to the gold cup. It like gave the gold cup, like something to like, okay, winning this means we get to be in this thing now. Like, so, Hey, look, whatever, this doesn't need to be a debate on the importance of the, but, by the way, the, the chat here now is descending into a little bit of what's going to come down the line. When we return to regular domestic soccer, um, Dan Canyon, Gvardiol is the Rolls Royce. JJ's Dutchman used to be. See, See, this is already happening now. We're already clicking back into tribal mode. Uh-huh. You know, we digs about Virgil van Dijk on the day of the World Cup final. Hey, you you started this. With what? I saw what you posted on Twitter the other day. What? This will never get old to me. The 5-0 Liverpool over Tottenham. What oh, was that? What was that about? Honestly, that could have been the 5-0 over Bradford or... or you or, knew what you were doing. Or Cheltenham. It just happened to be Tottenham that day. It was <laughs> such an amazing performance. I, it, I, it was not targeted at Tottenham supporters. You knew, you knew what you were doing. I just don't think enough of you to target you with anything. Wow, that actually hurts even more than watching that video. <laughs> um, a couple final thoughts here. I'm just thinking, kind of going through, you know, different takeaways and and legacies. And, and we're going to do a podcast this week where we kind of look back at this World Cup as a whole, not a full devunlings, but like we'll kind of go through different categories of of our thoughts on this tournament. It should be fun to kind of move past it and back into club play um, the best way that we can. But like right now in this moment, just looking at, at these two teams and, and what this game meant for certain people, you know, we, we talked about Messi doesn't change the way I feel about him. He was always just this player that I, I feel so lucky to have watched. And this is a thing that I'm just glad that I saw him achieve. And in this, in this fashion where he scored twice and converted a penalty, um, that's just so cool to me. So beyond that though, I think about some others and I'm going to bring up this na- two names now, um, first, I'll bring up Di Maria um, because, you know, he was I know he was taken off early 63rd minute, but my God, I thought he was brilliant in this game. And he's always kind of been this quiet Robin to Messi's Batman, I guess, with Argentina. Um, you know, Argentina have not experienced a ton of success. And so there are people out there, some have put that on Messi, but there have been other people who will protect Messi at, at every chance that they can and want to say, well, look what he's surrounded by. You know, he's never had the team. Well, Di Maria has always been a part of that. And so if you could say that Messi's never had the support, Di Maria, Sergio Aguero, guys like that, they've had to wear that mm. uh, as being part of the problem. And so if you look at Di Maria now, scored in the Copa America final, scored JJ in the finalissimo against Italy for whatever you want to make that. Into, big, big final. Cormac O'Malley loves that final. Was spectacular today. Uh, in in a World Cup final um, when he hadn't played in the previous matches. So, like, for him, like, there are certain guys, Messi, it doesn't change my opinion of him, but Di Maria is one where I think now we're looking at a legacy that does benefit significantly from what happened in that game today. I think the way people will look at him now is different after he put up that kind of performance on that stage. Yeah, and, and again, club football, you kind of... He's been off the radar a little bit. I, I can think of the good things he's done in the Champions League for PSG, but who watched the French League? Then he goes to Juventus. You know, his spell in England was was what it was. And so 
yeah, because of our, our centrism toward that scepter dial, we kind of forget about, you know, this guy has been a, a top performer. I think Tim Vickery tweeted out, is there a, a top world-class player who has less ego than Di Maria? Certainly feels like that. Um, but um, he was brilliant. I, al- I also think that, uh, to be self-indulgent for one second, the way we talked about, you know, we were doing our Premier League previews like two seasons ago and we we're talking about Brighton and uh, Alexis McAllister, they loaned him back out to uh, Boca Juniors. You know, he, he couldn't get in the Brighton side for a while. Now, this season that has changed and he has become a player who can, um, who looks really good striking a ball more than anything. I mean, he's he had an absolute world he ruled out uh, not so long ago. But, um, but his rise in the tournament, you wonder if there's still... That kind of, I know with analytics and 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 everything now, the the rush to sign a tournament player has kind of gone away a bit. Tottenham used to be king of that, Andrew. Player at a good tournament, Tottenham would be immediately in for him. Yeah, I mean, but, I, I under I understand the instinct. Yeah, but you need a better sample size than <laughs> than six games in or seven games or three four games in international football before you sign a player. But that said, I'm just wondering if. If someone's looking at this guy and thinking, we could get a bargain here. <laughs> He's that bright. But, that, but that's the problem, though, with doing it on this stage is that like now you can't get it at a bargain because like now that's when like now is when his value is probably at its peak. The 94 World Cup was the peak of that, I think. Uh, West Ham bought Florin Raduchoyo from uh, from like brought him in. He was a good player. He had a good reputation, but it was based on his his tournament with Romania. And he decided he preferred shopping than playing for West Ham. And Tottenham signed, was it Gico Popescu and Ili Dumitrescu? And now Gico Popescu went on and played for Barcelona, was excellent. Uh, but Dumitrescu was an absolute failure. So I, w- I wonder if that'll happen. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. What am I doing? I'm, I'm trying to think, though, of the other great examples of that. I always felt like Arshavin, Andre Arshavin, was an example of that. Yeah. A guy who had a crazy great tournament. Um, I guess but he was I, a good, I, I think he was a good all-round player. You know, he'd done it at the club level for Zenit as well. It wasn't... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah, think it happens I'll, at all anymore, really. Sort of in that vein, I, I always, I mean, look, the tournament that James Rodriguez had in 2014 was just so revelatory. Like, I know injuries had a lot to do, but he never, he never really came close to fulfilling what we saw in that tournament for with him with Colombia. Um, let's see. One other legacy that I want to mention here, a name that we only mentioned once earlier in this podcast, but I, I want to get more thoughts from this about this person from you before we click off. Okay. Um, I'm reading here from Sid Lowe in the guardian who, who wrote a, a feature on this person. Um, and I'm talking about Lionel, Lionel Scaloni for Argentina. Oh yeah. And I'm going to read you a quote and then I'll tell you who said it. So Sid Lowe says here, initially he, Scaloni, was named interim manager for two games. Two more followed, then two more. Quote, there wasn't time to find a replacement. Um, this person continues saying, uh, he's a great lad, but he can't even direct traffic. How can you give the national team to Scaloni? Are we all mad? Uh, eat an asado, fine, but coach a national team? It's way too big for you. Uh, like Minguito Tinguetea wearing Gordo Porcel's suit. Porcel and Tinguetea are a comedy duo, an Argentinian Laurel and Hardy, if you like. And I know them well. They are hilarious. So that was the scathing criticism that footballing god Diego Maradona leveled at Lionel Scaloni prior 
uh, when when he was named manager. Imagine hearing that from teams. Diego. And now here we are. He just won a World Cup. He just did this thing that great managers have tried and failed. Maradona among them. Um, since well, yeah, but but let's look at that. Look at what what Argentina have been doing. We won't go back to. We'll just go twenty years. Like, let's get in the best minds we can. Let's get in Bielsa. Didn't work out. Let's get in Sampaoli, who was a a winner coming into that team, or or at least had done with another South American team. Spectacularly, didn't work out. Um, and he was part of uh, Sampaoli's staff at the last World Cup. So it wasn't like they they went and headhunted someone again. This was a guy that said, "Look." We'll, we'll give him a shot. He's the caretaker. We'll give him a go. And I mean, it's worked out spectacularly well. They just won whatever, World Cup. They, whatever he's done and whatever criticism you want to make today about substitutions, not recognizing when players were run off their feet, maybe taking out Di Maria too soon, all, all those things. And whatever he has done, they just look a more relaxed and more together unit than they did in 2018. And as we know, tournaments are a lot about vibes and getting on well together and feeling connected and feeling like a collective. And you got to give him credit for that. Uh, I don't have much more, JJ, other than one tweet from Stars and Stripes FC that I wanted to read, which summed up this game for me perfectly. Uh, They wrote, this was during the game still. They wrote, watching this, I have to ask, do we actually want the USA to make a World Cup final? The emotional swings over the last 95 minutes are like a lifetime of feelings. And not, and I'm not even French or Argentine. I don't know that I could physically handle a game like that if my team was a part of it. It's too much. He's right. If that's what it's going to be, I'm good. I don't need it. Yeah, well, that's absolute. Yeah. I mean, we live for the tension. We live for <laughs> these things. We want the stress. We're here like, oh, that wasn't that so stressful. But we absolutely enjoyed every minute of it. Minute of it on on that kind of weird level that only sports can can do. Final thing for me before we get out, and thanks to everyone for joining in. I know it's on a Sunday, uh, but this was this was a lot of fun. I know um, I missed pretty much the whole Eagles game, JJ. Thanks it's not, a lot. It's you really haven't. It'll be, are they barely out of the first uh, the first quarter? It's three o'clock right now. Yeah, come it. on. Doubt it. Um, deep dive on whether Messi can. Uh, this is from Jordan on Twitter. Deep dive on whether Messi can handle the long travel and hot nights of mls as i i mean that's the next thing (laughs) do we see him roll up into uh into inter miami and line out for phil neville's inter miami like wouldn't that be one of the the uh, the biggest contrasts from from amazing high to what 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 am i doing now yeah i don't know Uh, look i wouldn't hate it uh, but I also don't want to see him leave the elite, like the, whatever the most elite level is of competition. He just won player of the tournament at the World Cup. Clearly, this guy still has more greatness to give. Um, if he does, if he decides to give it to MLS, I won't be, well, I don't know. I guess I'll be a little conflicted. I still, I want to see this guy playing big Champions League games. I just do. Um, UEFA Champions League, I should, I suppose I should specify. Um yeah, Listen, I don't know, but everyone, but I you. but I want MLS to grow, and if he helps, then then so be it. Yeah, I hope at least he'll buy the steaks. That would be the least. You go out for dinner with Messi; he looks after everybody. That's that's the most you could. That, yeah, he can't yeah. make that mistake. Um, 
So listen, few people in the chat are saying they're not ready for the World Cup to be over. Technically, we're going to ride this baby a little bit longer. Uh, we are going to have a pod next week. Uh, we will let you know when it's dropping, um, which basically is not quite, as Andrew said, a full devundlings, but it will be a, a retrospective of the World Cup just passed. And we look forward to bringing that to you on the old audio podcast. Can you comment on this? Comment on this video. Like this video. Before you leave the stream, comment and like, and then continue the comments and do all the things that the gurus tell us we need to do so we can engage um, and uh, keep bringing you the best content we possibly can for two guys who are just talking words. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty pretty much much it. it. Uh, This was so much fun. I mean, what an unbelievably unforgettable day of sports that we just witnessed maybe the greatest game in the history of the sport a crowning achievement for maybe the greatest player in the history of the sport none of us will ever forget this um god what a what what a pleasure it was to to watch it and then be able to get to talk about it afterwards with you jj this was a ton of fun as well uh i'm i'm tapped out i got nothing left like jj said we'll be back with you during the week for a retrospective on the world cup And then, of course, we're going to have to kind of bring you guys a previously on the Premier League podcast as well, because Boxing Day, we're right back in it like it never left. This was all just a dream, JJ. The Premier League was a week ago. We we all just experienced a dream. And now we're right back at it. Just nothing happened. And back into the season we go. But it'll be fun as well. It's going to take a little getting used to. but we're going to love it because we always do because this is the best. This is the absolute best. You're the best as well, my friend. To oh, you, thank you. To you, I say. Check you later, Andrew. I'll see you, man. Take care. Enjoy those Eagles. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 